Hello and welcome to part two of my interview with Nigel Talbot-Rice. When Nigel listened to the recording of our first conversation, he felt that there were one or two areas that he wanted to expand upon. So when he was next in London, he invited me round to the same hotel uh, to go over those areas and to talk about a few new areas as well. So I suppose this is my first experiment with a sort of bonus excerpt uh, for very loyal listeners or big fans of Summerfields and Mr. Talbot Rice. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it. We cover uh, some familiar ground. Uh, we cover discipline, uh, the concept of boarding for under 13 year olds, some single sex versus co-education. Uh, but we also cover chapel in a bit more detail and talk about class, which I think is, is one of the more interesting parts of this half an hour extra session. As ever, do let me know any thoughts, uh, and if you have other suggestions for people I can interview, uh, do get in touch. Thanks very much. Bye. Thanks. Bye. These days, it seems like school culture is more liberal, and that it's quite rare to come across a really strict school. Do you, the summer fields of your day was it stricter than others? Probably? I don't think it was a really strict school. No. I think it was it was an orderly school. Yeah. If you follow me, yeah. I think uh, I'm a fairly orderly person, mm. um, and despite sometimes my desk looking terribly untidy, I was reasonably tidy with my desk. <laughs> and I think my whole running of the school was done in such a way as um, there the was sort of law and order yeah. to it. You know, that was with the staff and so on. And when staff misbehaved, I got pretty irritated with them. Why is that if, important uh, for boys to have an orderly environment to grow up in? Well, I, I think it's more settled for them, mm. really. I mean, I, I think it's as simple as that. They like to know where they are. We all like to know where we are, but particularly uh, young people. And um, I think having clear guidelines, and, and we talked about the school rules before, and actually, it, I think at the end of my day, we didn't have any listed schools. Mm. It was common sense, you know, and, and um, if, if they stepped out of line, it was clear that they were stepping out of line. There weren't, you know, you didn't have, oh, right, it says rule 32B yeah. says this. No. So and I, I, I think we gradually got a, a culture in the school which came over the years, because 22 years is quite a mm. long time. Do you think justice is a more important virtue in the school than mercy? No, I think both are important. I think, you know, if we, I think justice is probably... Well, I'm not sure about it was justice, but no, I think you, you, you've got to combine. Mm. It, 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 it's no good if, if uh, you're overly merciful. Then again, they don't know where, you, where mm. they stand. Is there ever a danger? I think some more progressive educators would say that a too orderly environment might stifle or suppress creativity. Well, I don't think... Was your creativity stifled at all? <laughs> I think it was... I don't think it was. There, no, I mean, I think, I th I think that... Um, uh, yeah. I won't say that's a load of nonsense. Of course, <laughs> if you've got too strong a set of whatever right. structure, then, yes, it could do that. But I think that that's the progressives sort of making excuse for their sort of 
waftiness or how you describe it. Mm. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that you didn't want any arbitrary rules, that, that, that every rule had to issue from common sense in some yeah, way. Yeah, basically that. Yeah. It became that. Uh, one of the things I found hardest was when a boy had um, <coughs> said that he hadn't done something, and, and something, say, quite serious, and eventually one persuaded him to speak the truth. And at that stage, mm. you know, I felt, well, actually, you know, he's had to admit that he has been lying and lying and lying. And he has, and I would be very inclined in those cases to, to make the punishment fairly lenient. Because mm. um, it helped with, I can remember one or two particular boys who had that situation, they'd done something wrong. Mm. And something quite serious may have been. Um, I can remember the name of a boy, but I can't remember exactly what he'd done. <laughs> so it was, forgive the eight-year-old brain. Of course, memory. of course. I'm interested, we talked in the last interview a little bit about, about chapel and how what we've just been talking about, discipline, there may, may be some crossover. Um, I'm thinking that in the Victorian age, it seemed that often schoolmasters had a view of children as sort of in, inherently wicked yes. <laughs> or evil yeah, and that yeah. they needed school to sort of yeah. uh, iron Beat it out, out of them. them. Yeah. Um, it sounds like by the time we get to the late 20th century, that's gone. And do you think the boys under your charge were inherently good but just needed structure to bring out that goodness? Or? I think that, that in, in inherently, for most of them, yes, but there's mm. always some no names, uh, yeah. rotten eggs, and, and you, you try jolly hard and you give them... I had one particular boy who I'd taken him on duty as he, uh, he was causing problems in all areas, and uh, I rarely gave him quite a bit of time and whatever, but uh, mm. uh, it, it didn't work. I remember the pan saying when I told them they had to take him away, he said, well, you've done all you really have done in your life. They then took him to an educational psychologist who said uh, it was all the school's fault that he was. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's what an educational psychologist is uh, earning his fees for, to say what the parents want to hear. Really. Mm. But it was interesting how they completely turned uh, after hearing him. Can a school make up for an unhappy home? I think it can, particularly a boarding school, where they're away, but not, it, it can't... Um, eradicate the, the damage done. There's no doubt that uh, uh, a broken home, well, not in all cases, but in a, quite a number of cases, it does affect uh, the boy. One or two very badly, others not so. Mm. Um, you know, some would, I think, take it as a, a mature attitude, as a sort of fact of life. Mm. Okay, Dan and Mum have split up, but it, again, depending on how the parents approach the issue and if it was um, very one-sided, one side wanted the divorce and the other didn't really, that made it harder and the, the child felt split. Um, <clears throat> Did yeah. you see parents' lifestyles change over the time that you were ahead such that, not necessarily divorce, but maybe they didn't enforce bedtimes or all the, the sort of slightly more liberal parenting styles? So that I, that's difficult to know, fine yeah. enough, because, you know, 
school is school and mm. holidays are holidays and you don't really inquire too much mm. as to what they're doing in the holidays. So I, um, obviously in the holidays they would be more mm. uh, lenient on bedtimes than school because you have to have uh, get them to bed reasonable time otherwise mm. it wrecks the next day, well over a period of time. Mm. And lifestyles, it's, gosh. I mean it's often said these days somewhat casually Parents are trying to be their ch children's best friends. Yeah, I think parents. that I I don't yeah. think that was necessarily the case between seventy five and ninety seven, which mm. is when we're talking about for me. But I noticed this, yeah, with with friends' children or mm. grandchildren. Mm. Mm. Um, what yeah. do you fear to be the consequences of that? Well, if if, if they're overindulged, yeah. it, it it will not be good. But I don't I don't think it's probably the the, the richest who are in a way sometimes not good parents because they've got a nanny and they're away mm, jet-setting mm. around the place or whatever um, and then parenthood is letting the child down in the long term mm. but I don't I don't think we had too much of what I can't think of Sarah's there all obviously were parents who spoilt their yeah. sons more than others did <laughs> But, um, Did I you think, ever feel like you were in a position to actually take a parent to one side and say, I feel like you perhaps are spoiling this boy a little bit too much, or, or to ever pass comment on parenting? Well, I can't remember doing that, <laughs> which is terrible. No, I don't think I did. Yeah. Um, that's where the tutor system was quite useful, yeah. because it wasn't involving the headmaster. Delegate, so that, yeah. you know, if we as staff felt what you said about a certain boy uh, was correct that the parents needed a word. I would delegate that to, to the tutor because that relationship was much more, or it developed into more a friendship, or mm. could do, mm. rather than having like the head coming down, you know, which might make the issue slightly worse, or could do. You mentioned uh, rich or spoilt children. One of the bit of a silly question, perhaps, but I, one of the questions I was thinking about was about class. And a few of my friends from the school remember that the kids that walked through the middle of the school, who I think were at the local state school, there was often an adversarial culture. Oh, who walked down the, the footpath. Path. The footpath, exactly. And it, there were words exchanged between the two things, and it almost reinforced, maybe in a sense that too many of us had, that uh, of class distinction. Did, did class play any? Now role? that is yeah. quite, you know, it didn't with me. I mean, yeah. we had some day boys who who were um, certainly not. They didn't come straight from the state school. Oh, they they would have actually from primary school. Um, some of them. Uh, I think it's true to say that the. Uh, boys from Charles School going up the footpath used to be much more um, antagonistic and right. There used to be much more ex an exchange mm. in my early days when right. I went in the in the sixties, sixty five onwards. You had sometimes you had uh, more problems. I don't remember it, so I, it interests me that you raised it then mm. that because you were towards the latter part of my time. 
Did you notice it or just... I do. I, I remember it. There was a slight sense of menace <laughs> that yeah, you felt you were only yes. nine or ten years old and that they were often much uh, bigger and yeah. scarier. But though, more than anything, I suppose, not completely conscious of it then, but you're at a boarding school and maybe it just that the self-identification um, as being of a different class from yes. these people. Or yeah. different, I think that's true. Yeah. It, was, it was a fact of life that they mm. were and there wasn't... You know, one couldn't have a sort of meeting on the pathway. Mm. Um, but there were not issues, there used to be issues, that, that we had to deal with more seriously. But I don't remember those. I mean, I think going, you would be going across the pathway to, yeah. to the further to, fields. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But these um, days I'd say, given that at least the attitude of society is to try and be as levelling as yeah. possible, do you think that's a sort of a healthy... Attitude to come out I think with. it's become yeah. a, a, a better mm. setup. Originally, when I go back to the 60s, it was the secondary modern school. Yeah. And so they were the failed grammar in, well, for much of my headmastership, it had become comprehensive. Mm. So you had the elements of, of, of troublemakers, but much a, a better atmosphere generally, I think. Mm. But I don't know actually what one could do because it would tend to come from them yes or at least that's how I <laughs> otherwise I'd have been very cross if there was if our boys were stirring them up you're not sure of your how aware you are of these trends but there's a lot of pressure on independent schools now to form partnerships with local state schools and to share facilities and whatnot Does that I'm those, all for that yeah, I really yeah. am and, and um, I don't know if Summerfields is doing anything in that school. It's certainly happened at the public school level yep. more yes. than the prep school, but I think the prep schools will be going into that, and certainly Summerfields ought to do it. Yep. Um, I don't know the local primary school. Charvel uh, is from 11, so it could, could mm. be, you know, mm. it's a very good thing. And also, with the public schools, they are sharing some of their teaching skills. Yes, skills. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And for no, nothing but good for that. Yeah. One question that uh, an old Summerfieldian particularly wanted to ask was about uh, crazes. Um, crazes? Yeah, and it seems such a feature of prep school life that suddenly within, out of nowhere, these fascinations take hold of the, the pupil body yeah. and become all entranced by particular... Yes, it's, it, 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 it's an extraordinary phenomenon, but it did happen. I remember it happened with me at Charterhouse. I had... I don't know if you'll come across the game, I forget what it's called, where you have a ball, you have to get it from the beginning through past 60 holes oh, yeah, yeah, to the yeah, end. Yeah. And you had two handles, one there and one there. And I had that for a Christmas present back in the 50s mm. and took it back to school. And it was the absolute, you know, everybody begging to borrow it. Nobody else seemed to have one. <laughs> it was the iPhone of its day with it, <laughs> the iPad. But yeah. I think um, there were crazes they'd come and go. Some, some mm. old ones... Um, the yo-yo used to be a craze and then it would go and then it would come back and everybody yo-yo conquers for a bit mm. um, and just I, what were the crazes in your day? Pogs do you remember them? No. Very strange Oh, cart. Cir circular discs oh, no. No, 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 no. Um, which had little monsters on and they were very expensive and you you could buy packs of four or, or eight and then you would play your pogs against someone else's where you put them in a stack and hit them, and no matter which side they fell up, fell on, 
And of course, football stickers was the other big one as well. That's the one, yes. Yeah. Football stickers and my others. Yeah, concrete. And I suppose nowadays, and it, it, I don't know what the setup is at Solid Hills with mobile phones. Yeah, well, let's go on to that. They've been in the press a lot in the last few weeks. Oh, they're where, appalling. Where the schools should ban them. Yeah, yeah. I would say. I mean, it was bad enough having the phone thrust upon us. I mean, this sounds really 19th century. Um, but we were one of the guinea pig schools. Adrian Richardson at, at um, uh, Cot Hill refused to allow a, a telephone. He eventually, they... Was that done from parent pressure more than boys' pressure? Well, with us, it was done through social services because they asked us to sort of cooperate with them. Wow. So we installed the telephone. Some parents were not pleased to have it. Why? Uh, why? Oh, because they found that it would up, it upset their son mm. talking to mum. It was not talking to dad. And there were always uh, a group of boys queuing outside the mm. telephone box in the, in, in the passageway uh, when I came over in the morning. And I think that they um, often would... No, not often, but... Sometimes they'd come out looking more, much more visible than when they went in. Um, no, I, I, you move with the times, and uh, I don't know what the school's attitude mm. is now. Whether they have mobile phones? Most boarding schools ban mobiles in the day, but allow them in a boarding night. house yeah. so that you can communicate with your parents, particularly they're overseas. Yes. Um, I, I just yeah. don't know what... Some, I would have resisted that for as long as I could, mm. if you follow me. Absolutely. Um, and I see that, I understand the sense of it, and it, it, it... So do you think that a boarding community should be a sort of hermetically sealed world that exists, I mean, in a positive <laughs> sense, or at least its own No, I don't, community. no, no, but, because, I mean, that <laughs> puts you into a sort of glass ball. But what you're saying does ring true, that if, if you allow children to be in touch with their parents a lot, then that homesickness perhaps increases. Um, it, it can do. Yeah. I mean, with, with some, it was just straightforward. Mum liked to hear them, mm. and the child was perfectly sensible about it. Yeah. But there were definitely others who, who rang home you know, almost daily, and it, it, I think the mothers, mm. or the fathers, would have preferred them not to. You know, we sent you to boarding school, and um, we don't want to see you. Know, you. We we'll we'll you. see you in a week's time. You know, it's not. It was different from <laughs> the olden days. Um, no, there was a rather cruelly short um, egg timer. So I seem to remember you could only speak for five minutes or so anyway before because there was oh, a was, queue. Yeah. Oh, I've got. I had forgotten that. Yeah. So actually, it was almost more uh, emotionally distressing because just as you. Be, your mother would ask you a question the Actually, timer would go if it was five minutes that's that's pretty long but I <laughs> yeah. don't remember that I can't remember how long it was whether that came in with Robin no I think it, it was there because right. yeah. yeah. you only had one year with Robin that's right yeah. 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 so all your evil thoughts come from four <laughs> years <with me. laughs> yeah well maybe that's a good time to ask about boarding for under 13s um, I mean, it just seems to be ever less popular. Do, can you ever see it making a research? Is, is, maybe I can phrase it like this. Is there, are there some merits which could be rediscovered, which actually people are just... I, I think it's, saying. as I said in the earlier part of this, I think parents, mothers in particular, and I, I quoted what I would say to mothers mm. rather than fathers, you, you need to be unselfish to send your boy here with everything that's going on. He can get, 
I've got a grandson who is due to go to Summerfields and they've put off going for another year now. Um, and, you know, my daughter in London is, is not beside herself with all the things, but she has so much to do taking him to extra this and extra that football and so on. And he's at a pro proper prep school in London. I think uh, it's became unfashionable. Um, well, it began to come unfashionable in the 80s, but as I told you in the earlier part of this interview, I was turning away eight-year-olds in 1997 mm. and would have gone on doing that, I think. Uh, but that was, I think, because Summerfields had the right um, publicity or whatever, parental word of mouth. And we had, of course, with bringing in um, double credits and that mm. sort of thing, we had made it more accessible for parents. But if you're going to make the most of boarding school, you need to have a lot of things on offer at school. You need to be able to use those if you have a lot of things on offer. And parents are taking them out to either sit in a pub or a hotel or going home and, you know, playing on their computer, mm. actually they're missing out. I think it was, you know, mothers saying, well, you couldn't possibly send your son away, could you? And, you know, it was, mothers were made to sort of feel guilty that they were doing just that. I mean, I know your mother in her situation. Was it your father who pushed for you to go to eight, eight I'm not sure about school? push, but it was definitely there. You had to be, amongst her group of friends, you almost had to be quite brave not to not. do it uh, at that particular stage. Yeah. So I even can against their better, their better feeling, if not their better judgment, they. I know my mother says now that she, she sort of wouldn't do it now if she had the chance again because it just it now feels again very young to have done it. But back then, all of her friends did it and they did it gladly and they were hugely uh, appreciative of what they got in return. It, now I'm interviewing you for a moment. <laughs> Do you feel it harmed you in any way that you left home fortnightly um, to go to a boarding school at the age of eight? Personally, not at all, no. Um, or brother? No. Uh, I think what we both agree on is that it made home feel even more wonderful. That's what so many people say, that, that you know, they really appreciated their home more than if they were just going da daily back and forth. So it that's, sort of that's good. It enriched the sense that home was a place mm. of sheer fun and really sort of strong emotional appeal to it. And school was often very fun as well, but it was where you, you did your work yeah, and, yeah, exactly. and got on yeah, with yeah. it. So it school was school. And you're not emotionally retarded because you were sent off at eight? I don't believe so, but you never know. I've certainly been accused of it. But and, and interesting, there's a certain group of um, friends, or uh, there's certainly a, an analysis out there which often pops up in the Guardian that I'll, I'll crudely put it that sort of Britain has been run for the last a uh, hundred plus years by a generation of men on the whole, white men on the whole, who went to boarding schools from a very young age and have led the country in. A way that reflects their sort of emotionally uh, bankrupt <laughs> uh, childhood, because they, i.e., uh, uh, they are um, rather cruel, rather un unfeeling, 
over sense of, of, of duty and an under sense of, of feeling that that all stems from boarding from a young age. Yeah. You know, your initial <laughs> reaction to such a... <laughs> I mean, I think that's... that's I, I think if you went back, uh, what do we know, 100 years and so on, mm. but I think in the latter part of the 20th century, that's a load of nonsense. <laughs> I really do. I mean, I don't think any of uh, people that... The boys I educated have mm. suffered from it in, in really in any way. I don't. Mm. You know, there may be some who say now, oh yes, I was emotionally retarded because of that. Mm. Um, but I can yes, I can see in the sort of first part of, of the well, first half or more because I was sent off to boarding school aged eight in mm. 1946, and one saw one's parents. You just went out for the day on a Sunday once before half term. And there wasn't a half term like this mm. we have now. I mean, and then once in the second half of term. And you didn't get, I would say to my bed, this is the last time I'm sleeping in you for 13 weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that. So, um, you know, that was quite different. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's an element of, of um, truth or whatever in that statement when you're looking backwards. I don't mm. think it's the case in the last mm. 20, 30 years. I don't think our government, whether it was left-wing or right-wing, have... Uh, no. Because quite a lot of the left-wing people have been to <laughs> public schools. Yeah. Um, no, I've just been reading Goodbye to All That, which is set at Charterhouse. Uh, well, the, Graves was at Charterhouse. Oh, yes, yes, he was. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's, it sounds so anarchic. Yes, the culture there. There's almost no mention of teachers. It's all just, you know, thirteen-year-old boys coming up, and f facing these big eighteen-year-old boys without any mediation on the yeah. on the part. I was of a child house, and and, and uh, actually it was quite a happy school. But mm. I was head of house, and I was allowed to cane a boy, which is ridiculous if you think about that. Um, in those days, and the fagging system. It, it may depend on the house, but in my house, the fagging system was not abused at all. Mm. Um, you know, but that, that you're going back with graves yeah. to the 1920s, eight or earlier. Earlier, so he yeah. left, he went straight into the, what the World War started as he left, so... Oh, right, so, yeah. 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 Maybe we should end, Nigel, with the phrase that you said at the beginning, which was, I'm glad I retired when I did. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd done my time. I went one year early because I hoped Mark was going to get it, but... And he needed to know, because he otherwise mm. wasn't going to be putting in for headships. Uh, I've been a governor of five schools in those 21 years since retiring. <coughs> and I increasingly found how irritating it was for the head, particularly these documents that you had to... Mm. All of that. Um, I don't think the parents would have been any more difficult, because I don't think I would have necessarily um, become any less, uh, how shall I put it, running a tight ship, I yep. think was yep. what I put before. And, uh, you know, I got on well with parents, and 99% of the parents, or late 90% got on well with me. So the fundamentals of what it is to run a school haven't really changed? Um, I don't think so. I, didn't, I mean, I think I could run a school now. Yeah. <laughs> I said I haven't got the, <laughs> the energy to do it. 
Um, but boys are still boys, girls are still but, girls, parents are still parents. Yeah, yeah. And obviously co-education is, is more widely accepted now than it was. There are not so many prep schools that are single sex. There's obviously the Summerfields, there's Ludrove, Cothill, Horace Hill, I think. For, for, I for would, a parent who's listening to this, who's never even heard of the concept of single sex education, what do you think the best argument for it is? Well, I think it has been shown that, that girls do better at A-level when they're on their own. Mm. Um, I cannot quote you chapter and verse where mm. that's... And I think those parents whose daughters have gone to single-sex school and decide to go to a sixth form where there are boys, they've got to the stage they want boys, they probably don't do quite as well. They've got to adjust to mm. the whole concept of mm. uh, a new school and the fact that it's co-educational. What about so, from 8 to 13 boys? Why should they be educated on their own? rather than? I don't think they, they need to be. Right. One of the things that strikes me about, and maybe this is just pure rose-tinted nostalgia, but there was a certain magic to Summerfield's aspects like the League Feast or... Mr. Pryor's fishing trips. It was just a balance of eccentricity and and and, and magic, um, but all within this ordered tight ship. Yes. Do you, it, could, does that still re remain in schools today? I I don't know whether it remains in summer fields yeah. or not. You know things like the hay feast. I mean, I think yeah. Robin wants to get rid of the hay feast, but that, that was sacrilege. I um, yeah, I think that we we had these traditions, some of which we built mm. up the Hay Feast, sorry not the Hay Feast, the League Feast, sorry, uh, yeah, became course. a much bigger thing. Um, I forget in my early days, did they have a proper feast? Yes, they must have, but not quite along the same, come in, uh, not along the same lines as it was. Mm. This is that might be quite trip. a good, good time to end. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs>
Thanks. Bye.